Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Wick, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, writer and the founder of Women of the Wick. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Wick and Girl Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. Okay, I think we're all here right now. Thank you so much for coming to Nasty Women's Revive, a collaboration between Open House Hackney, Nasty Women London and Women of the Wick. I am very excited to kick off today with our panel discussion, Her Story. And before I give my mic to our wonderful panelists, Ida Wilde, um, who is a local artist, activist, printmaker, <laughs> and educator, and Sunita Kaur, who is a movement-based practitioner and a coach, and Paige Davy, curator, photographer, and the founder of Nasty Women London. I would like to talk a little bit about today's theme, the panel discussion theme, which is her story. So I'm going to read this short um, dictionary description of what her her story stands for. Her story is a history presented from a feminist viewpoint or with special attention to the experience of women. And as artists like Jenny Holster, Barbara Brucker and Bell Hooks have said in their arts and, um, and in their research, personal is political. There is an immense power in our personal stories and using our voice to raise issues that reflect the wider um, problems, I could say, in the society. And this is also what we are doing here today with the exhibition as well as diving deeper into the topic of the unique stories of these three women here today. Um, a little bit more about her story probably is good to mention, as we are probably all unfortunately aware of, only 4% of the female artists in museums are represented by women. That's an astounding number. Uh, however, 74% of the news are women. These are statistics by the excellent collective Guerrilla Girls. So yes, there is still a lot of things that we need to change within art institutions. Okay, without further ado, I'm going to hand over the mic to our panelists and I would be really interested in hearing, first of all, of how did you come about doing the things that you are doing today, a little bit about your background, and yeah, perhaps we can start from there. I'm going to hand the mic over first to Ida. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Paige. Thank you, Open House, for having us here today. Um, I thought you were going to do the intro. <laughs> I know, I did say that. <laughs> Last thing you changed. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, 
I mean, if I ain't a born artist, um, I came here, well, we, we seek asylum here when I was about 10, from Iran during the Iran-Iraq war. So me and my mum and two sisters fled here. Um, and we moved to the north of England for a few years. It was fairly difficult, enough, you know, the transition, learning English, and obviously uh, very small bits of racism and stuff like that. We came to London, so um, my career, I don't, I don't even know how to start. Like, I'm a printmaker, predominantly. That's all I do is my life. Um, I guess how I started my more activism and agitation and political inclinations was when I had my shop in Brooklyn. So I built it up from nothing. I was doing stores. I had a hand-printed clothing company that ended up in about 2007. I got a shop in Brooklyn, and it was there that I met a lot of street artists because I was already doing political stuff on T-shirts. So I was doing slogans and stuff. And I think that's when the transitions happened because my friend said to me, oh, you know, you should put these in the street. You've got something to say, go and whatever. So at the time, it was empty. Like, East End, Brooklyn was empty, so there was a lot of space to kind of explore and things like that. And it, the crunch came right at the end. I got pushed out because of obviously gentrification there, obviously the credit crunch, and I'd made these posters. And weirdly, I was doing this... Um, of a stall in this sort of Christmas market thing and someone from the Victorian Albert Museum so one of my political posters about the credit crunch and they bought that and I think that was how my career escalated I think I think that's when I realised the power of print the power of what I, what I could say could resonate and you know, open doors for other people, and I just kept continuing. So after I left Brooklyn, I came to Hackney Do I remember correctly that there was an incident with a V&A curator, and you accidentally finding out that your work was at the V&A Museum? So imagine that they bought the work in 2009, right? And she said to me, she's like, listen, we're curating a show. One day this poster might end up in a show. I was like, okay. Heard nothing. I think it was like 2014, because <laughs> I was also um, I taught at London College of Communication as well for like what, almost 15 years, and I was at uni, and my student just um she um tweeted me went I'm standing in front of your Idlewild poster in the VNA, <laughs> and that's how I found out. <laughs> but it's really strange. After that, they. I think they're, they're so savvy, like, you know, you think museums aren't watching, they are constantly watching people secretly, um, you know, seeing what's what, who's doing what. But um, straight after they sent me a, a release form for the poster, and because it was a touring show, it was going to like five museums across England, my image was used for all of, most of the promotion, and that's how it just catapulted, I think, without that. Another woman taking that risk on me back at that time and seeing something, I would have never, I probably wouldn't be sitting here to be honest with you. Amazing, thank you so much for sharing that idea. And um, Sunita, I know that you have a slightly different background. Um, you also, you're a movement based practitioner, you're also helping other women to find their voice and empowerment. Could you tell us a little bit more about that and how did you? and end up doing the things that you're doing today, exploring the topics. Sure, hi, 
Hi, everybody. I'm a little bit nervous. I think that's pretty normal. You should quite nervous when you're so intimate like this. Yeah, so the Aftermath Project is just 
up here and then I did another project which is called Take a Picture It Lasts Longer which basically is just about um, the objectification of women and just the way that men see women as an object um, that's basically what that work is about so yeah I just wanted to do something a bit more outside the box and humorous rather than something that's just more like daunting and you know sad so I just wanted to just like lift people up through through doing that so yeah amazing and i was really inspired by ida's story how the vna curator picked up your work when you had your shop in shoreditch have you guys had girls women um had experiences of someone lifting you up and helping you in your career or perhaps have you been that person to someone else I mean, yeah, so basically there's a student at Northwest Kent College at the moment, um, Kiva Kearns, and she's basically um, done photography, documented her story, she was at, uh, something happened at school, and she, she's documented and photographed that, um, and she basically said that she had looked at my books, looked at my work, and she was inspired by that, and that really lifted me and made me feel like really positive that someone has gone out of their way by looking at my work. And, you know, it, it's helped them through a difficult time as well. Um, yeah, and also I've collaborated with Winnie Lee, who is um, a writer. And she basically wrote her, her story um, of when she was raped. And she's had her book published in, um, in many places. And it's, it's sold at the moment in Waterstones, that kind of thing. And she's, um, yeah, she's just amazing. I would have loved her to be here today, but she's not. Um, but yeah, so her piece is called The Dark Chapter, the book. So yeah, if you wanted to look into it, it's just really worth a read as well. So and she's released a new book also, so yeah. Great. Sunita, have you got experiences of, uh, or I don't know if idols are the right word, or inspirational, practitioners, women or otherwise who helped you to become the person you are today? Um, I think we, we had a brief chat about this yesterday. Um, I believe that we all uh, never achieve and succeed by ourselves. We always receive help from people. Um, <clears throat> in my my case specifically, I, I would say it would have been all the, um, the doctors, the psychiatrists, um, yeah, because I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was 32. Um, and I didn't really have anybody else to support me apart from these people, and they knew me in a deeper le level. Um, and they saw something inside of me that they wanted to help me to become the person that I wanted to become. So we, as much as we had a professional uh, relationship, there was also a personal relationship, and um, and yeah, they, they really helped me through this journey, basically, and now that I am in this space, I'm able to actually hold that space for other people as well, um, to help people, yeah, right through the healing. Amazing. Um, Ida, I know that you've exhibited widely, globally in Hong Kong, um, well, you can probably name drop those museums and places and countries where you've, you've exhibited. And when I mentioned about that inequality in the museums and in art institutions, have you experienced that in within your practice or industry at all? 
Um, I think I think right now is a really really great time because museums are really aware what's going on, and I think it, it was probably like the Guerrilla Girls campaign, like you mentioned, mm. that they've been doing it for a number of years. So. Th- like I said, I think they are watching women. They are acquired. My work just literally got acquired by the Fitzwilliam Museum a few months ago. So, I, you know, and I've talked about that quite... I'm in a podcast on their website, and I do talk about us trying to, you know, thanking them for kind of taking a gamble on us. <laughs> humble, humble, whatever. But, um, you know, you have to appear to have a bit of dignity. But um, I, I think the most inequality kind of thing I've experience of recently um <laughs> there's been a few i've had a i had a weird experience with another female curator who i was probably the only standalone female in this big show it was, it was global and um you know i had in terms of support because maybe i was the underdog i don't know i experienced a few like resistance and my work being moved so that you know you can get a better view of another guy's work who's actually quite objectifying women that kind of thing but the thing that's I, I think I told you the other day I've had a really weird tough week this week in the sense that um, this year I decided because I'd neglected quite a lot of my studio work print based work last year I was doing a lot of street stuff and then I thought I'm going to go and print some new editions. So I've, I've opted out not to really show this year, if I'm honest, consciously. And um, I was kind of pressured to be in this show for Adidas. They, they literally launched it on Thursday. Um, 100 women, only female show. Um, it was on for one day, apparently. I don't know if they've extended it. Uh, this was going on for two months. So I gave the work in, they had to vet the work, whatnot. And like literally on the sun last Sunday, it was like my work's deemed as nudity hmm. and it's not appropriate for Adidas. And I think what struck me the most was like, has she got anything else? And I was like, yeah, I've got something else, but that's not the point. I've submitted this work for two months. I didn't even want to be in that show, to be honest with you. It's just too, you know, you know, when you work with these big corporations, there's, there's so much red tape. And it's almost like, I think why I'm so angry right now is still raw, because it only opened on Thursday, is that, um, you know, if people like Adidas or these people that are supposedly lifestyle brands who try to empower people, if they're not going to back us up, who is actually going to support us, really? Because right now, what it looks like for that show, because it apparently sold out, the tickets got sold out like weeks ago, is that, um, you know, what, what are they trying to say, I think? Um, it's all... Well, it's performative, you know, we all know that word now, don't we? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, how many other women in that show did they censor? How many women who weren't in the position to say, thanks, but no thanks, they were offering us a pair of free trainers? <laughs> you know, like, thanks, but no thanks. But you know when you're like 20 or you're, you're starting out, you're mid-career, yeah, of course, you go, yeah, I've got something else. 
I think that's really interesting as well. What you said to me earlier is, what if the nude was a woman? So the new, I bought the postcard. This, listen, I don't usually go around promoting myself like this shamelessly. But I didn't, I just, but this, uh, this image I, I made like 2017. It's, you can, do you want to pass it? Yeah, sure. So basically it's this, it's, um, it's a statue. So the piece is quite complex because it's, it's a commentary on um, domesticity. It's a commentary about male artists and male geniuses and sculptures and people in museums and stuff like that. It's got so many deeper levels going on. I, and I, I did say to Sarah, I was just thinking, oh, what if it was a woman? Because we're so conditioned for the, you know, the male gaze kind of thing. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. But this is my recent fullness. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the statistics, that would have been more likely, at least, to, to, to go back to the statistics that 74% of Correct. the nudes are women in the art institutions. Um, Sunita, so you are really interested in women's empowerment especially. How does that manifest in your personal life? What are the things that you have learned along the way? Perhaps the most challenging parts or the things that have enriched your life the most? Okay, so the truth is, <laughs> I never wanted to work with women. Who <laughs> <He> um, does? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? I never wanted to work with women, and I actually really wanted to work with men, specifically. Um, but then everything went full circle, and then I had this experience, because I had a lot of male friends, and I started to notice a pattern, and that was, um, this is not dishing men, by the way, I love all my male friends. But no matter how amazing they were, uh, hi dear, love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Just one of my cool friends, by the way. That there was this urge to control, and it all manifests in different ways. Even though they didn't want to, but there was this urge. And through this experience, I had already done a lot of healing, and obviously the healing never ends. At this point, I had a very healthy boundary. I'm quite assertive. So the urge to control was quite difficult for them. However, I was quite close with them and I noticed the relationship between their partners. And these women were really strong. And I realized that in the arms of their lovers, they were quite weak and vulnerable. And then I started to notice that there was this difference. I, basically, I realized that one, I, one part of my journey was actually to become a woman. The true authentic meaning of actually truly loving myself, healing, um, setting strong boundaries, saying yes when I want to, saying no when I want to, and shamelessly being proud of who I am. And I felt that, um, bear with me by the way, I felt that, the problem were not only men, actually. The issue also laid in women. It takes two hands to clap. And we can keep blaming men as 
much as we want, but if we allow them to treat us a specific way, then that means we're feeding into the cycle. And then we, we're basically creating that imbalance. And because my journey was really to become a woman, not in what society means, how you're supposed to look, act, or speak, or move, but in actually the true meaning of loving yourself. Um, and then, yeah, setting healthy boundaries. So basically, through these experiences, I realized that I wanted to, yeah, step in and empower women to help them facilitate spaces so that they can heal, because I believe that through healing, you can actually love yourself unconditionally, and then from loving yourself unconditionally, you can take the steps of setting strong boundaries and then asserting accordingly. And here I am, wanting to empower women. One second. Say it. Just say it. You say tomorrow's events. Oh yes, uh, and <laughs> thank you. Um, and speaking of empowering women, I run monthly uh, full moon woman gongbat ceremony. It is a three hours journey, and in that space, a lot of things happen. Uh, it is to facilitate women to be completely vulnerable, to express themselves, to move their body, and ultimately to also share and to go deep into the healing, so that we can go out there and uh, really kick ass as we are. Amazing. So that's tomorrow. Tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Um, Paige, I have a question for you. As part of your story is the thing, the, one of the themes that you explore in your artwork is motherhood. Are there taboos that you feel that as an artist you, I guess like surrounding motherhood, taboos that you, you feel like you want to break or that are yeah, topics that need to be discussed through art? If you can hand over that mic. I mean, yeah, obviously after like lockdown and stuff like that, I had my firstborn before that, so he's now nearly, well, he's four at the end of the year, so finding that time to, to do work and take photographs has been extremely difficult. Um, and I've had ideas for projects, and I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> but I am, I am working on some new stuff um, that I would have liked to have done, was shown here. Obviously this was from a long time back now, these projects. Um, and I'm a, I'm, I'm a completely different person now, you know, I'm a mum. Um, and I just want to like inspire my boys as much as I can as well. Like Brendan's only well, he's four at the end of the year, my baby's nine months, so it's just a lot of my concentration has gone on to them opposed to like obviously being able to do work. I'm now um, I was working with elderly people as well and now working at a preschool teaching children so it's just kind of like using my creative background to you know teach them as well um, which has been a really good journey just trying to find out who I am as a person in terms of like my work um, and I'd love to get back into using film again that kind of thing but again it's just been that time and balance and just trying to like yeah as a mother and just raising two boys it's sometimes impossible to find that time to do yeah, that brilliant job. <laughs> <laughs> she's a badass but even putting on this show yesterday i put my baby here and he was crawling around on the floor while we were installing work sunita was amazing as well um just literally it was just good it's really nice to see like my boys being here as well my other one locked himself in one of the rooms downstairs and I was just like oh my gosh but it's just all part of the process and I love it it's just it's just yeah everything I, I, I know sometimes people say to me Paige you're doing too much and I'm like yeah but I'm just trying to do this to support artists 
um, expose you know women in the arts and just yeah again just inspire my boys and just show that I'm working my hardest even though I'm being there for them and being a mum at the same time so yeah amazing uh, can I pause you there for a second so why is it so important for you especially and maybe to the wider society that we do support women artists I mean obviously I'm a woman artist myself and I do feel like a lot of women don't get the exposure that they, they want or need and obviously it's really hard to be able to sell your work and I just feel like one of my targets is to create a platform for Nasty Women London where they can sell their work online, a certain percentage will go to charity as well and they will make their own profit from that as well and it's just, I do feel like doing something like that will help and benefit like women in the arts in the long run as well. So. Yeah. Amazing. And I would like to ask the same question, both from Ida and uh, Antonita. So, how are we going to support women? Or why do you think that's important? And whether is it important that we're all gathered here today? It's really important that we gather today. But I always... I was commissioned, imagine, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to go into my rage, rage, rage. I was commissioned by a really big art fair last year to put on, well, actually the commission was in 2019, we were set to go in March 2020, and we got shut down, obviously, the week before, it was all set, I had 40 women in this big art fair, it got postponed till last year, fine, and it's all good, us putting on shows. We know we can put on shows for free. My budget, imagine, I had international artists across the world, from Australia, America, you name it. I was given 500 pounds support from a multi-million pound art fair. 500 pounds, you know what, and I thought, fuck this, I will do it, I don't care. I will get this done. I spent thousands of my own money, fine, because I just I just wanted to just show it. So my point is that it's great that we can put out on shows, but we should be supported. We should be supported correctly. Money talks, we need funding, we need support, we need money to put things like this on. And I think fundamentally, I think that's what what, what it is for us. Who, you know, and I said earlier, who is going to back us? We can back each other. We always, we got out each other's backs. But I think it's finding the resources. I couldn't agree more with you. Even amongst freelancers, there's a whopping 40% pay gap between men and women. Always. Even, um, even with myself, I can see men who are in par with me. Um, their prints um, cost more. They don't even make, I print my own work. They don't even print their own work. And they're still charging more than me. Why is that? Why is that? Galleries. <laughs> they set the, you know, auction houses, galleries, they all set the prices. And I think us, motherhood, things like, you know, those things are still taboo. Those things are still kind of um, our handicap. 
almost like they don't want to take the risk. You look at the auction houses, and um, it's 99.9% men in the, those auctions, and those are how. That's how. For me, at this stage, that is how I need to raise my prices and be known. But it's just not happening. So. Mm. Sunita, we also talk about financial empowerment really briefly. Would you like to share some of your really interesting thoughts around that? A bit of what Ada already touched, why is it so important for us women? Um, can I just actually touch on that one stuff for really sure. quickly? Um, I think it's really important that we as women, it is our responsibility I always come from a perspective of healing. I think it's really important for us to work through our healing in order for us to stand in the power of our, our divine femininity. Our ancestors has been suppressed for years and years. Uh, we don't know the extent of the struggle and pain uh, that they went through. But, and also at the same time, not all the women in the world have the freedom to do so. But we do, and I think that the more that we heal and the more that we connect to our divine female power, the more that the world will become a little bit more balanced and it will make a better place for all of us. So then going back to um, finances, I come from a different perspective. I, um, I usually focus on myself, mainly. Um, in the sense that I don't look at the differences between men and women too much. Um, most probably that's because I had to look after myself from a very young child. Uh, and I have a very diverse way of looking at life from the, from the point of view of looking after myself, but also looking after the people around me, but also knowing deep down inside that I want to create a wider impact on Earth, while I'm on planet Earth. So with that, I uh, really took the initiative to really focus on investing. Uh, and that was initially, I, I bought a property, and then I sold it, made a bunch of profit, and then I really started focusing on educating myself on cryptocurrency. I know some people are against it, um, but at the same time, we are in a current uh, state in the world where um, maybe this is going to be controversial to a degree, leaving your money in the bank, it is dangerous, in my view. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I protect my, my finances, but also grow it in order to make sure that I protect myself, but also my tribe. So I spent quite a lot of time uh, educating myself. So the maybe a broader advice is we have a lot of information for free. Uh, and if we don't have money, we don't have anything. <laughs> and it's the matter of fact. And yes, we do live in a very unfair world, but up to a degree we have choices compared to a lot of people. So what do we do with that is really up to us to a degree. Um, yeah. Amazing. I love that practicality of your advice as well. Protecting yourself and um, finding different, maybe it's passive income streams or, or otherwise that help you to support yourself and your practice. Um, and maybe I could build a bridge from that question to ask all of you, um, what kind of advice would you give to your younger self, an aspiring, creative, wanting to launch a career in the arts? What would you tell the, that person um, today? 
think just don't let anyone take control of your work and who you are um, as a movement and just be yourself and just, you know, get yourself out there in terms of your work, exposure, um, and just shout it from the rooftops, really. Mm -hmm. Like your story, you know, what you have to say, because it's important, and to everyone it's important. So, yeah. Beautiful. Amazing. Aya? <laughs> from someone who, who never thought that there'd be an artist, um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, you never thought that you would become an artist? No, I, I had no agenda, nothing. Everything has just happened serendipitously um, for me, um, even now. Um, that must I, require a lot of self-trust, by the way. I always say, working in blind faith. I, I think a few things, I, I wouldn't say this advice to myself, but I, I would say like maybe now, always follow your heart. I, compromising, I think compromising works for certain people, it's never worked for me. I've always had a very singular vision and drive and focus. Nothing, like I've sacrificed so much, like my life is just, I work all the time. There's nothing else in it, if I'm honest with you. It's kind of sad, but I quite like it. It's fine. I am where I want to be right now. Um, but it is just blind faith. Follow your heart. Don't let anyone... You know, if, if things are too good to be true, forget it. You know, I never go there. It's, it's just that, those kind of things, I think. It's focus. And, you know, keeping, you know, now we know, you know, your name is such a big com commodity now, you know, someone's name. So it's always like Patti Smith said, kind of like, keep your name clean, you know, stay clean, protect your work kind of thing and just strive ahead and support. And like you say, we rise by, you know, helping others rise. And I'm, I think we can't forget that. Mm -hmm. So that's about it. Mm -hmm. I like it. That's a good way to kind of put why we are celebrating International Women's History Month, because we wouldn't be here today without all the Maya Angelous and Patti Smiths that helped us to pay the way on the pave the way, I guess. And Sunita, anything to add there? Um, I mean, if it's speaking to my younger self, personally, I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I needed to go through all this pain in order for me to be who I am today. Um, but if it was to share to all of you, since you are all here, um, that would be um, <clears throat> to have fun. We have to really have fun. Because living on Earth is pretty freaking challenging. But also at the same time, while we have fun, we have to find time for healing. When we don't heal, we don't allow ourselves to be who we are meant to be. That thing that we always hide inside, that shame to be what we want to be openly. And ultimately to speak your truth uh, shamelessly. Um, and to always listen to your heart and not your mind, no matter what. And to love yourself deeply and to love the people around you deeply. And then, and then be whoever the hell you want to be. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Audience. 
the artist in the exhibition. Um, there's Charlotte, um, also Lauren. I would love to hear if, if you would care to share some of your views on some of the questions that we just talked about and perhaps your perspective on, well, why we are celebrating International Women's Day, first of all. I see it, Lauren right there. Would you care to share a couple of thoughts? Yeah, I did think actually um, when there was the question about finance, um, like I set the prices myself and then I put them up like by about 10 to 15% every year. And that's like, that's just like the standard, you know, like, and I think we can control that. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Amazing, thank you so much, Lauren. And also, Charlotte, uh, you have your works up here. I'll just let you do what. Oh, please <laughs> do, yeah, talk to the mic. We do have the podcasting device. I'm going to sit, so I'll take this. I'm really sorry, but I can't stand for long. Thank you. Um, hi, I'm CW or Charlotte. Um, I wanted to touch on a little bit of what everyone was saying. Um, I know that we need to make art because it touches our heart, it touches its, our soul. But the reality is, is once you hit 40, you have children and you're working two jobs, the fire in you to make art fucking dies. <laughs> so how do you do it? So that's why you have to talk about finance, right? We've got to take, like it's not the be all and end all, but I feel so many mid-career artists, especially women artists, don't get the opportunity because they're not emerging artists. And I think there's a huge um, untapped potentiality in older women artists. And in order for women artists to succeed, we have to build a community around them that appreciates them and that raises them up. Um, I recently adapted my practice into Web3, which I understand is controversial. Um, however, there are a lot of things in Web3 that are working towards moving towards carbon neutrality. And um, I was picked up by the Board Ape ladies. And it's the first time I've ever been paid properly for my artwork. So now I have dude bros selling my apes on the secondary. You know, $2,700 for a JPEG of an ape. Because like it or not, but I made a mama ape. I made a mother with a sling, which isn't the point of the story. But the point of the story is it takes persistence, and it takes focus, and it takes commitment, and drive, and community. And by raising, like, by raising one of us up, you raise all of us up. It's not a competition, but you've got to keep going. And if you don't have the financial means to keep going, you stop because bills have to be paid and being an artist isn't cheap. So that's my sister. That's fantastic. Yeah. And now that you touched on the topic of Web3, could you elaborate that a little bit more? And also, is that the same as NFT? Yeah, for us that yeah. so Web3, web, web NFT, Metaverse. So my experience thus far, and um, I'm opening a company on the side that's going to help onboard mid-career artists into the NFT platform. Because like it or not, it's not going anywhere. And it doesn't need to be an either or. It can be an extension of your practice. 
So, um, and due to the regulations in the tax markets coming in September and November and the huge corporations that are moving into it. Um, you mentioned Adidas. Adidas bought the board apes, what, six months ago? Or something like that. Microsoft's buying, like, what, half of the metaverse. And the thing is, in that world, is no different than the real art world. There's still not a lot of women in it. And the only way that women are getting seen in that world is by building collective communities. And um, it's not nearly as complicated as people like to make it sound. It's the easiest thing in the world. Like, well, it's not the easiest. It's really stressful and annoying. But it isn't difficult. So I think Web3 is, um, there are so many amazing opportunities in it at the moment because there are people which are like-minded on, like, politically with the ideas of decentralization, almost that 90s vibe when we thought that everything was going to be okay, but we were really wrong. Um, and so with Web3, there are lots of different platforms that you can use, and currencies are changing, and I just think more women should get in, into it. So. Amazing. Does the audience have any questions to our panelists? Anything that, or any thoughts? Questions or thoughts that have been? Anybody else? I just wanted to say about the. Um, can you handle the microphone? Yes, I can. Yeah. It's not. It's just a thing about the. I saw that Biden was putting, bring something in about regulating the cryptocurrency, like, was it last week? Mm. How do you think that's going to affect your market? No, it's doing that. They've been trying to regulate cryptocurrency for the last 12 years. They banned cryptocurrency in China, what, every six months? They stopped Binance in the UK back in June. They re-put it back in July. You have all the big movers and shakers that are buying huge amounts of cryptocurrency behind closed doors. For a little while, there was issues because it was mostly mined in China. And the issues being that they produce the Bitcoin mining with coal. Mm. However, that's changing, right? And it's shifting. Um, regarding Biden, um, there was once upon a time when people used to get into Bitcoin so that they could buy LSD on the dark net. I can't think of a better analogy than that. I think rich people will hide money. If there is a will, there's a way. I think it will stop a lot of, let's say, um, everyday users maybe getting into it. But I don't really know. I mean, if you look at the markets as they stand, I don't think regulating it is it's been something they've been trying to do for so long and they don't do it effectively. The Bank of England has talked about doing it. Facebook talked about having their own coin. And really, it's not in the hands of the government, which is what makes decentralized currency so brilliant. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of Pussy Riot, um, but within three days of the war of Ukraine breaking out, they started the Ukrainian DAO. They raised seven million pounds in 24 hours that went into direct action on the ground food, okay? So I do understand regulations and people's complaints about crypto, but there are also groups that do a heck of a lot of good with it. And because it can't be traced, you're not taxed on it, and it actually goes to boots on the ground. But there's also a lot of not so nice stuff to do. Do you think it's going to uh, create a big, rich, poor divide again if it's 
regulated and only the big players are going to... I don't... I kind of think, though, um, politically and environmentally, no matter how you shake it, the days of feudalism are almost upon us anyway. So whether that's in crypto, big banks, inflation, no matter how you shake it. Um, however, that said, you know there are a lot of places um, in Africa where you can actually only access crypto because all of your bank accounts are shut down. In Russia right now, all your bank, if you are caught protesting, protesting, your bank account is shut down. But guess what? Your wallet isn't. So, I mean, PayPal adopted cryptocurrency as a form of payment, what, four months ago? You know, they have Bitcoin cash points in North America. So, I, I, I think, in, you know, even in regards to like the NFT and the Web3, we are still in those kind of Wild West cowboy teenage days. And time's gonna tell, you know, but I do think in a lot of ways, especially with the NFT game, much like in the 90s, we're kind of at that weird dot-com boom, but we're just creeping that way, and that's why I'd like to encourage more women to get into it now while it's peaking, because um, I think a lot of women can win. Sunita, did you have anything to add? I'm basically agreeing everything that she has to say, and that now is a really good time for women to get into the space because it is a new space and there is a lot of opportunity for financial growth in my opinion because we are actually in a financial shift and in this shift it's never happened in history so in this shift it is the beginning to a degree and I, I personally think if you do your research or you speak to the people that know or have been in the space, you have an opportunity, depending how much money you have, you have an opportunity to have a life-changing wealth experience. First time in history, in my view. So do use this opportunity. It is a one in, once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. Um, and it is a, a great opportunity for women to rise up right now. No money means nothing. So yeah. Amazing. I'm really glad that we we touched on this topic and this a panel discussion is going to Girl Get a Real Job podcast, which is normalizing money conversations amongst creative practitioners and it is a podcast by Women of the Week. So do listen to this again on um, iTunes, Spotify, you find us everywhere. And also if you would like to come to the podcast to share some of your thoughts about financial wealth or women's empowerment, um, do send me a message or just talk to me today. Any final notes from our panelists or any questions for them before I hand over the mic and let you to continue enjoying the exhibition and also purchasing art from the live artist today, which is so incredibly important as we've heard today. Any questions? If not, I'm just going to hand over the mic once again to say your say your final notes uh, to the audience. Yeah, so I just want to say like a big thank you to all of the, the curators that have taken part, i.e. Rajan, Charlotte, um, and obviously a big thank you to Sarah for collaborating, um, also Izzy and just everyone from Open House, you've all been amazing and like literally just given the whole space for women, especially just to, you know, share their story, their art, their work, you know, 
being able to sell their work and raise awareness, basically, yeah. And where can we find you, Nasty Women London? Well, in general, like on social media. Yeah. So, yeah, just at Nasty Women London um, or online. So, yeah, or nastywomenlondon.com. Great. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Actually, just a quick finish up of, of money. I also forgot one more thing. Is actually perhaps working on your relationship with money first. If you don't feel like you are abundant, you're not going to attract it. So we all deserve abundance. So maybe if you have an unhealthy relationship with money, work on that first and then from there, grow the money. Uh, what would I like to say? Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it is Sunita Movement. Um, please come to my gong bath. It is incredibly powerful. You should come. Thanks. Um, I know. I need it. I know this. Thank you for asking me. I know I'm a bit unapproachable sometimes and I'm, I'm a bit of a recluse, so this is quite nice for me just to come out and speak today. So thank you. And okay, me being my sisterhood, sisterhood, I went yesterday to someone I know, one of the curators. Again, shameless plug, but um, seeing as we're in a safe space, and I just wanted to. Um, draw your attention it's only a three-day show it's called flow i'm gonna leave that this by the truman brewery it's just uh, again it's documenting um it's a project by veronique and she's just documented like women that have been domestically abused or it's a really powerful show so if you're in the east london and you're hanging out um it's only in Brick Lane for three days. I just didn't want anyone to kind of miss it. You, sh you should maybe get in touch with them as well. Because I think the show is going to go to Berlin next. It's only a small pop-up. But I think there's a, there's a real nice connection, I think. definitely. That's why I'd like to leave it. Thank you. Charlotte, final notes. Thanks for having me. Nice meeting you all. I'm cwstubs.art. NCEWSOAPS23 on Instagram. And um, if you are an artist, I think learning how to promote yourself shamelessly is so incredibly important. And it's taken me 48 years to learn that. So, yeah, well done. There's some beautiful art here. So, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much. And there will be live poetry and performances from 5 p.m. onwards. So do come back if you are going to go somewhere around Hackney Wick enjoying the sunshine. So do come back by 5 p.m. and 6 we will start on so live music and then there will be DJs etc. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. There's still tickets available.
available. Uh, it is incredibly powerful, I guarantee you. So uh, if you do want to come, it's Umut Women's Gombat Ceremony. It's three hours, starts at 6.30. If you want to get tickets, can you find me? Thank you. If you liked this episode, please review it or share it with a friend. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Week and Girl Get a Real Job. See you there.